Welcome to the Radiant Visalia podcast. Join us at one of our two services, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Download the Church Center app or visit our website, radiantvisalia.com, to stay connected with us. All right, enjoy. picture and something on her heart she wanted to share with us. Um, as we were worshiping, um, I was in the back and I got this picture and it was a cage, a bird cage. And this little bird was like fluttering and fluttering and fluttering and fluttering and trying to do it in their own strength and just fluttering and fluttering and banging up against the walls, banging up against the walls, banging up against the walls. And I felt that represented some of us women here. And then all of a sudden, God just opened it up, like opened up the little thing, opened it up, (laughs) and then what did we do? We just walked out. We were free. We were free, and I saw not just one person, not just me, but I saw all of you, and like, I don't know, like, have you ever like seen the birds when they're flying, and like, there's like a multitude of them? Your eyes are drawn up, and you're like, wow, look at all those birds that are flying around, and they're free, and they're free, and I felt that the Lord was saying that you just got to step out, and you're free, and um, he gave me a scripture, too, and it was Luke 4, 18, and it says, um, the Spirit of the Lord upon me, because he has announced me to an the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce to release the captives and recover the sight to the blind and to send forth and deliver those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, broken down by calamity. And I felt some of you were still in that spot. And you're just like, I'm just trying so hard, Lord. I'm trying to do it in my own strength. And God's like, honey, I've done it for you already. Just step out. Can I pray for you guys? Lord, I thank you for these precious women. I thank you for each one that is here, Heavenly Father. I pray, Lord God, that they can just trust you and know that you have the best for them. I pray, Lord God, that they would take that bold step of just stepping out and to be released into the freedom that you have for them. And as they do, it will bring glory to your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Okay, um, one of the things that I wanted to touch on this weekend was aging, but because I'm only 34 years old, I felt like everyone older than me was going to scoff at me if I tried to talk about it, so I have invited my lovely grandmother to come and give us a little word on aging. She calls me lovely, and because she sees me through the eyes of love, think how much more the Lord sees you through his eyes of love. Well, I should be an authority on aging, (laughs) but I certainly am not. Um, But I, I have put down some just some reflections uh, that I have gained along along the way. I was in a waiting room the other day and as you grow older you'll realize that you spend more and more time in waiting rooms 
And that's probably why we are called patients. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I was looking through this magazine, and um, there was advertisements there about this uh, for a plastic surgeon. It was a spa. And the headlines read, aging is optional. Hey, that is false advertising. I'm here to tell you. It is not an option. We are all aging every day. And how do you deal with that? I can distinctly remember the day that I, I don't know what happened up until that day. I guess I was just oblivious. But one day I was leaning over and looking into a mirror. You don't want to do that. You, you do not want to look or to lean over and look into a mirror. All I saw, everything was sagging, and, and there were wrinkles. And I remember thinking, when did this happen? It just, it's nice that it creeps up on you. It's like a bald man. You know, without hair, they, they look great. And, and by the time it happens, you wonder how strange they would look with hair. But um, that, that's just the way it happens. And you sort of panic when that realization hits you because, you know, you have kind of a helpless feeling. This is, this is taking place. What can I do about it? I can remember looking at the first brown spot on my hand. A friend over here is nodding in agreement. And I... I was thinking, oh, I can take care of that. I'll just have it burned off. Well, I'd just be a pile of ashes by now. Um, you know, and we might think as we grow older and uh, things get weaker and we don't perform the way we used to, uh, that we maybe are not as worthy as we were when we were younger. Uh, I sang all my, all my life. Uh, I have sung. And I, I have to truthfully say that my identity for many years was tied up with singing. And then Tiff, last uh, spring at retreat, I think it was Saturday night, spoke about our true identity. And I, it was such a liberating time for me because... As I have grown older and I don't sing as well as I do, I still sing at a convalescent home, but that's a captive audience, you know. <laughs> they are in wheelchairs. They cannot escape. <laughs> but um, I, so you begin to think that maybe some of your worth has lessened. And then she spoke, where does your identity lie and I realized that I need to, needed to confess and repent of my pride in my singing. That was liberating for me. My identity is not in what I do, but in whose I am. And we belong to Jesus. That's where your identity lies. You know, there are perks in growing older. You get all kinds of discounts um, and Dick and I have often wondered, it's really a shame. Uh, you should be at the point in your life where you can afford certain things, and it's the young ones that need the discounts. But that, that's not the way it works. Um, 
I realized that as you grow older, um, you're more quick to say I love you. Uh, you're more quick to forgive. Um, you're not so easily offended. I think as we grow older, our skin grows thinner, but in a way it grows thicker because uh, you aren't easily offended like you were when you were young. You realize how precious time is, and if you are as fortunate as I am in that he has given my husband and I extended years together, we will be celebrating our 69th next month. Yeah, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I'm so grateful for that, but as time has grows short, um, you say things to each other that you haven't shared before in your younger years, and it's a precious time. I think it's imperative that you keep yourselves as fit and strong as you can because many of you are going to end up as caregivers to those that you love. Um, so you need to keep moving, which kind of reminds me of, of the joke about the fitness freak that was in the hospital dying of nothing. Well, I, I thought that was funny when I first started. it. <laughs> but I do want to leave you with some precious promises that our Father has given us. Tiff gave me a couple, and, and I've had some that I've, a few that I've hung on to. I've had all these memorized long ago, but unless you do that every day, um, they kind of leave you. But anyway, Psalm 92, 12 to 14, this is a precious um, promise. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree, and if you've ever seen pictures of hurricanes on the islands, uh, the palm trees just, I mean, they just bend way over, but they do not break. So I think that's just a fitting analogy there. The righteous will flourish, and I, I love that word flourish. Like the cedars of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. They will still bear fruit in old age. Can you believe it? And stay fresh and green. And then Isaiah 46, 4 says, Even in your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. You know, I think sometimes when we think about death, um, we have anxious thoughts about how it's all going to play out. I keep thinking about Moses. Moses died with his eyes unweakened and his strength unabated. God's no respecter of persons, and you just wonder, what a way to go. Wouldn't that be something? Um, how many times, though, does it say in the Bible to fear not? No matter how it plays out for us, um, he'll be right there with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Some of the verses that have meant a lot to me, um, Proverbs 3, 5 to 8, I know you all know this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your path straight. 
Do not think more highly of yourself. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear God and shun evil. And then this promise. And this will be health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Love that. And then, of course, John 14, where he says, you know, don't let your hearts be troubled because he has gone to prepare a place for us, a place that we can't even fathom. It's going to be so wonderful. And I think of that dear soul that just passed away today. What a glorious, glorious meeting she's had with her Lord. Um, and then 2 Corinthians 5, 9, let this be our goal to please him, whether at home or in the body, or in, away from the body. So my prayer for you is that may the God of hope and joy fill you with all hope by the power of his spirit, and may you continue to grow in his beauty and grace. Amen. Aaron's going to share one more thing. Sorry, it's been full. It's full. It's good. It's good. Yay, it's really good. Thanks. So um, I've just been thinking about what Tiff shared earlier um, in her message and just like she opened up the door for us all to do battle with God um, right alongside us. So he is like standing next to you. Um, holding your hand. He's like, he's got you in his arms and he's ready to like fight with you. Um, And this passage from Ephesians uh, just came to mind. It's in um, uh, chapter six. Uh, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of his dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so I just want all of you to like put your running shoes on and just like go for it, like leap, like this is uncomfortable, this is awkward, this is weird, like maybe things are coming up for you that you didn't know were problems, but just run with it and just like know that he has you and that he's going to help you like no matter what your journey is. And so yeah, I just would pray that um, that you would all be brave and um, we know that he makes us brave to like fight those fights. So yeah, I just want to um, encourage you to uh, to be brave and to like put on all your armor and to like go for it full force 
um, because we all know that like joy and goodness um, will come from him and he'll show us grace um, and it will be really good. And I'm really excited. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, one more thing before we jump in here. And that is that um, leading up to this conference, we just had it on our hearts that we could do something to uh, take beauty out there. Um, and so <clears throat> this is a little bit strange, but I think you guys will trust us and go with this. Um, we're basically going to form a team called the Beauty Brigade. And we're going to take an offering right now. And if you, okay, so we're going to take an offering. <laughs> we're going to form a team. That team is going to pray and ask God how we can take the funds that have been raised and go out into the city and do something beautiful. Um, so we're going to pass a thing around to take the offering. Does it have the If you would like to be a part of this team that prays and is part of doing this, I want you to write your name down on a little scratch piece of paper and throw it in the offering as well. Um, if we get too many uh, people, then we'll probably draw names. Um, but we're just really excited about giving and doing something in our city for someone that's broken or something. I don't know what God's going to do, but we just felt like we were supposed to trust and we'll have a team that gets together and prays and dreams about what could be done with that money and do something creative with it to take beauty out to someone else, somewhere else. So that's going to be passed around right now, and you can give to that, throw your name in if you want to be a part of that team. All right, last session. You guys ready? So we've been talking the last uh, two sessions about how Beauty comes from the inside and not the outside. Um, it doesn't come through what we put on. It doesn't come through what we do. It comes from the inside, and it comes from what we believe. When it comes to beauty, I'm sure you guys have heard the phrase, um, you are what you eat. Have you guys heard that? I'm pizza. Uh, but I actually don't think that's true, you are what you eat. <laughs> Well, maybe in one sense. Um, I think that you are what you think. I think that you are what you believe. And I think even the feelings that we feel um, can be thoughts trapped in our bodies. Uh, I read this statistic, I guess. Uh, we speak to ourselves at a rate of 1,300 words per minute, making constant assessments and judgments. 1,300 words a minute. That's a long monologue. 1,300 words a minute. We're speaking to ourselves constantly. We're preaching to ourselves all day long. Isn't that interesting? What sermon are you preaching to yourself? What are you, what are you telling yourself? What are you saying? Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Since then... You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This uh, is a scripture maybe that has landed on a couple mirrors up in here. Um, it's one that we, it's a scripture that we like. I found something interesting with this. So Paul's asking us to set our hearts and minds on things above. But this little chunk of scripture is sandwiched in between something that comes before and something that comes after. And it was just really interesting to me. I wanted to point it out to you guys. The verses that come prior to this, set your minds and hearts on things above, is um, starting in Colossians 2.20. It says, Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sex sensual indulgence. So basically, in reading this, it's just like, you're in Christ now. Why are you obeying all these rules? You're free. Why are you doing that? You're free. Stop doing that. So there's this point of freedom. We're free. So we don't have to, we don't have to do all of these things anymore. We're free. Christ has set us free. The gospel makes us free. Then what comes after this, you're free. Set your minds and hearts on things above. Colossians 3 verse 5, it says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. It was just this little bit of contradiction. It was like, why are you doing all these things? Why are you following all these rules? You're free in Christ. You don't have to do this anymore. Set your minds and hearts on things above. Stop doing all of these things. <laughs> it's like, this feels a little bit funny. It feels a little bit contradicting. And I think there, the first section he's saying, you're free. You're free. You don't have to do all this stuff anymore. Christ has made you free. And then in this next, the, what comes after, I think he's saying, you're holy, you're holy. You don't need to do any of these things. You're holy. You should stop doing these things. So the point I want to make is that freedom is beautiful. Do you guys ever sit on the beach and just people watch? And sometimes people walk by and you're like, wow, I wish I was that free. Do you know what I'm talking about? Man, I wish I was free enough to just rock that bikini. That would be awesome. There's something really beautiful about freedom. And there's something that's really beautiful about holiness as well. There's a beauty about being uninhibited and free and not working to please anyone. And there is a beauty in holiness, being set apart, being other than. And these things rarely go together, but I, I just feel like there's this tension of freedom and holiness that's a really beautiful thing. And as women that are pursuing a gospel beauty, I think that Jesus is calling us to this in our lives, to live free and to live holy. 
and it's rare. Both are beautiful, both are needed, and both are achieved with the gospel. And the sense that I had was just in the freedom that Christ has given us, we're free. We don't have to work to earn or prove anymore. That's done. All that striving is over. But with that freedom, it's not a license to just do whatever we want, right? And then as God's called us to holiness, again, it's not a working of earning at all. All that's over. That striving is done in Jesus. And the picture for holiness was like a really fragile, precious object, something that you have. Maybe it's, um, I don't know, I have a, I have like a glass goblet from my wedding that, you know, Trav and I, we each have one, and that's in my cupboard, and it's something that's special to me. And I take care of it, and I keep it in a certain place so that it doesn't get knocked over my, by my kids and broken. Um, I handle it gently when I use it because it has value to me, and so I care for it. And that was the way that I was seeing holiness. It's, it's a way of living in the light of who we are, in the light of who God has made us. We're precious, and we're valuable to him. Therefore, we don't walk in certain ways. We walk in other ways, and we're kept in special places, and we're, we're handled in such a way because we're valuable to God. And so that's the motivation in this holiness, uh, a set-apartness, a call to God, um, a limitation to our freedom because of what he's done for us and who he said we are, that it's like, well, I could go and do all of those things, but I'm set apart for God. And that's the holy aspect. So how can we be both free and holy? And I think that this passage that's sandwiched right in the middle is Paul's secret for living free and living holy. And it is where he says, set your minds on things above. Think on such things. Don't live free at the expense of living holy. Don't live holy at the expense of living free. True beauty involves freedom and holiness. Are your thoughts free? Are your thoughts holy? So our thoughts should be free from bondage and from lies, but our, our thoughts should also be holy. Not just anything should come and go. Because I'm a holy daughter, I'm set apart for God. Freedom and holiness comes through what we set our minds on. I think that's what Paul is telling us in that passage. And so in 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. He says in another place, And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. This is the coolest picture. Take captive, arrest, capture every thought that you're thinking. And make it obey Jesus. <laughs> it's just so amazing. Taking it captive means to take it prisoner, arrest it. So we take prisoner anything. He, he's telling us to take prisoner anything that takes us prisoner. Any thought that's wanting to arrest us or take us prisoner. He's saying, arrest that thought. Take it prisoner. 
thoughts, accusations, false affections, anything that tries to eclipse the reality of God in our lives. He's saying, arrest it, capture it, take it captive. So we round that up, we lock it up, we beat it down, we throw it out. This is the fight that we do in our minds. This is part of warring like Aaron was talking about. And we can because Jesus is all, he's already won. He's already saved the day. So he's already given us the authority to do this. That's how we do it. We do it because he's given us authority because he's already won. So what has you? What thoughts are the loudest? What do you obsess about? What weighs on you? What words have marked you? And then you recognize that and then you fight. You demolish that thing. <laughs> I was, this is silly, but just thinking of, you know, like having a conversation out loud. Like so many of these things live in our minds and they never come out loud, you know. And so in this thought about taking thoughts captive and arresting anything that would be eclipsing the work of God in our lives, I feel like sometimes we just need to talk out loud. <laughs> and um, I was just, I wrote down this silly thought. It's just funny, but what did you just say to me? <laughs> Say what you just said again. Say what you just said again. What did you just say to me? Get in the cage. Shut up. (laughs) The Lord who holds all things together has broken your power, and his voice is louder than yours, and he speaks the truth, and he's given me authority over you, so you're under arrest. I think that's how God wants us to fight. It needs to get out of the quietness of our minds, and we need to talk out loud, and we need to go after these things that are trying to eclipse the work of God in our lives, and we need to fight them out loud by taking our thoughts captive and arresting the things that are wanting to arrest us. Demolish every argument, every stronghold, every comment, every thought that is standing itself up against Christ. Arrest it. Reject it and make it obey Jesus. That is what he's telling us to do. That is how we fight. So I'm just inviting you again. I know this has come up before this weekend, but I'm inviting you to listen to the sermon that you're preaching to yourself. And then I am inviting you to have a conversation with it and interrupt it and take it captive. Anything that is standing against the truth of Christ, we arrest it, we reject it. We tell it to be quiet. (laughs) Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So the key to living free and holy is to obsess about these things. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Like my grandma talked about. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The Lord is calling us to live in a different realm than the one that we live in. He's wanting our hearts and our minds fixed on things that we cannot see. Fixed on what is eternal and not what is temporary. He's calling us to be heavenly minded, to live heavenly minded, and to see 
I believe when we're living heavenly minded, that's when we can say that our troubles are light and momentary, right? They're not everything. They're not, they're not bigger than God. So we fix our eyes on what is unseen. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. It's like we're living in this mystery where we don't see it all and we don't understand it all and we don't know what God is doing from beginning to end. But he set eternity in our hearts and we just get to hope and long for that and have our hearts and minds fixed on what is eternal. So I'm asking you to look up. That's the discipline. We want to live lives looking up. When we're looking ahead or to the left and the right, things get really big here. And they don't feel light and they don't feel momentary. They feel huge and heavy and like they're going to go on forever. And I'm inviting you to look up, to fix your eyes, the eyes of your heart and your mind on what is unseen on what is eternal, on what will last forever. And I believe that when we do that, we gain perspective. And the things that are in front of us and to our left and to our right become light and momentary in the perspective of what God is doing from beginning to end. So we look up. That's the discipline. Simply to look up and to live in in the position of looking up. Making things above our obsession, becoming fiercely heavenly-minded. I think to live heavenly-minded, we have to fight. Like I'm talking about taking thoughts captive. It doesn't just happen. There's a fight in it. We have to be fierce about it. To live spiritually-minded, to live Christ-minded. When we become heavenly-minded, we sprout wings, and we learn a whole new way of being. That is our best hope for growing in both freedom and holiness. The degree to which we do not set our heart and mind on things above is the degree to which we will stall, idle, become bitter, bored, and afraid down here. This is true of my life. I don't know if you guys experience this, but when my mind is not, my mind and my heart is not set on what is eternal and things above. This happens very quickly. I become idle. I become bitter. I become bored. I become afraid. And everything down here feels very big and overwhelming. Look up and see Jesus reigning. Look up and see Jesus interceding on our behalf. Look up and see Jesus interceding on behalf of the people that we love. And do not lose heart. Set your hearts on things above. Lord, place eternity in our hearts. We fix our eyes on what is unseen. We fix our eyes on what is eternal. We live our lives here, our lives that are temporary and fleeting, our lives that are like a vapor. We live our lives here in the light of forever. Choose and think and act now in the light, not of what was, not of what is, But what is to come? What is to come? In God's economy, 
The person that we become, not the person we have been, is the true person that we are. And I love that. There's hope in that. Um, Philippians 3, 20 through 21, it says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. What is that going to look like? Hebrews 11.10, for Abraham said that he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. What is a building God builds going to look like? Just think about what he has created. I just can't wait to see. What is a house that God designed? What does that look like? I cannot wait to see it. Well, I read that passage and something just so exhilarating happened in my heart. It's like, ah! A city whose foundation and architect and builder is God. He just took on the whole project. He did all the jobs, all the details. What is that going to look like? Oh, it's going to be so amazing. Hebrews eleven sixteen. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. We're supposed to live with this longing for our better country, our forever home. That's where our hope is. Our hope is not here. So become obsessed with forever. Look at that body. That body reminds me that I'm going to get a forever body. Look at that home. That home reminds me that I'm going to get a forever home. Look at that face. I wonder what my forever face is going to look like. Look at that country. Someday I'm going to get a forever country. I'm going to be a citizen of that country forever. The place where I will once and for all be satisfied. The place where everything will finally be permanent. All of this is hard, almost impossible to grasp. Imagine trying to explain to a caterpillar, even a smart one, what it will be one day. There it is, fuzzy and many-legged, curling and scuttling along branch and ground, blind, earthbound, worm-like. One day, you explain, you're going to wrap up in this thick, sticky band of threads and hang from a twig, and then, after a while, you will emerge and you will be utterly transformed. You will no longer crawl. You will have eyes and you will see. You will have wings Delicate pinions, sculpted and painted more exquisitely than any artwork man's hands have ever rendered, more beautiful than lace and paper and watercolor. You will fly. No, more. You will dance on air. If you could convince the caterpillar this was so, what huge incentive it might have been as it labored along in its hunching, shuffling, blind-eyed belly crawl. And that's us. We just have no idea what's in store for us. And my hope is that our hearts would be opened up to just dream and to hope and to imagine what it's going to be like one day. When there's no more pain and no more sickness and no more tears because God has dried every one from our faces.
And we get to walk into that city that he's designed for us. And we get to see him face to face and be satisfied forever. In the meantime, <laughs> we're shuffling along, blind, belly crawling. And the Lord is asking us to live in the hope of heaven. When Christ, who is your life, appears, Paul says, then you will also appear with him in glory. Then we will finally be who we really are. Who you will one day be in Christ is more than you could ever ask or imagine. When he appears, the real you will break forth in all your dazzling wonder and splendor. <laughs> the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. Look up. Look up. Look up. Look up. This world is passing away. Everything is aging. And everything is slipping away. I know you guys live in that reality every day. Things are slipping away. We're not supposed to store up treasure here. We're supposed to store up treasure in heaven. Storing up treasure here is like someone who gets on a bus to take it to the grocery store and starts remodeling the seat that they're sitting in. We need to live in the light of forever. Instead, we should be boldly proclaiming through our lives, through our beauty, through our bodies, that this world is passing away, but he has placed eternity in our hearts. And there is something that is not passing away. There's something that is not fading. There's something that's growing brighter day by day. And we will one day come face to face with the one and only true and living God who will transform our lowly bodies into glorious ones, and we will be in his presence for forever. And this is what being gospel beautiful is all about. It's living in the light of this truth. So we display God to a world filled with ugliness through beauty, but not through shallow and fleeting beauty, through beauty that is deep and lasting, through beauty that is rooted in God. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to we're going to play a song, and we're going to put some, some prompting questions up on the screen. I want you guys to get your booklets out, and we're just going to have time to sit and listen to the Lord, and you can, you can answer whatever prompts you want to out of these. You don't have to do all of them. We're just hoping that God is going to stir your, the dream in you and your imagination of what he's called you to and what, look, what gospel beauty looks like in your life. And um, you can take the time. We're going to play it twice. You can sit and listen and reflect and write down the things that are occurring for you, the things that God are, God's speaking to you. Um, and then after that, I'll, I'll have the ministry team come, and they'll just be available for anyone who wants prayer. If you've been waiting till the last session, then there they are. There you go. Okay. Lord, use us, use our lives, use our beauty for your glory. We want to be carriers of your beauty here. We want to live a life looking up. We want eyes and hearts that are fixed 
on heaven, on what is eternal, on what is unseen. We want to live heaven-minded. We want to be fierce about it, Lord. We want you to be put on display through our lives, and we want to walk in the, in the beauty of freedom, and we want to walk in the beauty of holiness, and we want our lives to sing a song to you. So we pray Psalm ninety seventeen. let your beauty, O God, be upon us. Let your beauty, O God, rest upon us. Lord, I just ask that you would stir, stir our hearts to dream. Open things up for us. Speak to us clearly, Lord. I just want each woman to be commissioned by you as they leave this place. Not something general, but something specific for their lives. And so I ask that you'd use this song and that you would speak, Holy Spirit, to each one, that you would stir hearts to dream, you would stir the artists, you would stir the moms, you would stir people in their careers and all the places where they find themselves, that they can be carriers of your beauty to those places and they they can be representatives of your glory and they can speak to a, a hope that is in heaven. So come and speak to us, Lord, and stir our hearts, Jesus. Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantvicelia.com. Until next time. There is a heavenly city that I'm compelled to find. Oh, I love the flowers and trees and the smell of the grinding sea. And all the beautiful things here in life I'm a pilgrim here on the side of the grave Divide